Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Kick it off if I can speak. Uh, Cofield and Company. Willie's here. Battleborn Injury Lawyer Studio. Cofield Angel as well. Let's do it. It's trending at three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at eight seven 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 hundred Nova. We actually come out of the gates with a little baseball. And last night the Pod Squad had a chance to finally get on the winning track. They've been terrible. And in fact. I mean, sadly, at this point, Willie, they're kind of a spoiler because they fell apart and the Cardinals have caught fire. They could be a spoiler in the Giants-Dodgers race. They didn't get it done. There's some other stuff that happened in the game, and what's happening here, it's amazing. The Giants will not lose. I swear to God, I look at this roster, and I'm like, this is a quadruple-A roster. And they continue to win, and they're probably on their way to like 104 wins. The Dodgers are doing about what the Dodgers want to do. It's, it's you almost wonder if the Padres, uh, and I'm not, they, they're they're still in it, and they're still obviously battling with the Dodgers and the Cardinals for the wild card spot. But it's it's almost as if they've just at times they they play like they're giving up. There's other times where they're playing well. Um, they actually won two in San Francisco last week, um, and then they lose three in a row at St. Louis. Last night was a close one. Um, I kind of took a look at the total, by the way, on on tonight's game, but yeah, it's I I and it's it's a little shocking. I think at this point we've all, you know, bought into that the Giants are good. But when they first started going on their tear and taking over the NL West, it was like, wow, where did this team come from? It was supposed to be a battle between the Dodgers and the Padres, and it turns out to be the Giants and the Dodgers. And now it seems like it's just a runaway. Eleven games left in that Giants Dodgers race. <laughs> One game separation, 98-97 wins. Padres, five games behind the wild card. St. Louis, unbelievable what they've done. Uh, Last night, Lamont Wade. Who? Lamont Wade. Now they're calling him late night Lamont. He's the one who got the job done. It's the fifth time since the All-Star break. He's had a uh, hit to tie the game or go ahead. And to my point, this is not a dig. It's actually, this is a feather in the cap of the organization. Gabe Kapler got dumped by the Phillies. Now, the Phillies are solid, but, you know, they decided to bail on Gabe Kapler. He must be a good manager with this ragtag bunch, like I said, of 25 to 31-year-old. ton of guys who were toiling in AAA. Lamont Wade's 27. He was a ninth-round pick. He gets another big hit. And now it seems like the team's coming unraveled a little bit. What'd you make of Tatis and Manny Machado nearly knocking each other's blocks off? And and then the, of course it becomes as what's funny is as big as that story became was as big as the story that became of that they stood together and they've come together that obviously they were brought together say hey we have a job to finish we have a season to finish we're not going to do this but um, I'm wondering who's 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 leaving who's leaving after this season and who's going where and who's playing elsewhere because those are two very big egos those are two very big names. You know, to come to blows and and it just shows the frustration that obviously this franchise is 
is going through and, and this this uh, roster is going through. But I don't think that the story that came out in terms of that they stood together and everything's cool. Right. Uh, that was that was pretty heated. Again, I don't want to make too big a deal of it because it happens in football. We saw Kenny Galladay screaming at someone. Giants game last Thursday. Hell, in radio, right? We scream at each other. You make up, you move on. But I do think it's frustration building from the Padres at the trade deadline. And we pointed it out at the time. If you want to play with the big boys, you got to act like a big boy. And the Dodgers and even the Giants, you know, Giants went out and added Chris Bryant. If you're not going to add anything. And then the Padres ran into bad luck. They had a bunch of pitchers go down, but... If you want to compete with teams that are going to win 100 games, you got to act like them, and you got to go out and get players. And they just, I mean, come on, down the stretch. Down the stretch. They're signing Jake Arrieta, Vince Velasquez, that his name, from the the Phillies. Phillies. These guys who were, like, on the sidelines are like, we just need some pitchers. He goes tonight. The the Padres have lost 9 of 11 going into tonight's game. The staff ERA during that 11-game run is 6.33. In those 11 games, been tagged. For 20 home runs, giving up 20 home runs in that uh, in that 11-game spread. Amazing. Amazing. All right, we're going to get to the uh, VGK uh, camp opening up. Golden Knights are back. We'll get to uh, some of the preseason games as well, talk about the fans being allowed back at practice. You know, a really weird thing that happened in the Raiders game, and we've done two shows now talking about the Raiders. Um, there's so many good topics on the Raiders we never got to. The fact that there was a spitting incident, we think, in the game against the Steelers. Well, there was definitely from one side to the other because you could see it. You could see it. Well, they're spitting incidents. That's the claim of Trey Turner. He's saying they started it. If, well, yeah, I I didn't see that part. And when did he? You know, it looked like he walked up and did it. And if and if the Raiders did start it at whenever they did. Why, why wasn't there a reaction then? Why wasn't there something? Because to me, that's just, you know, revolting to spit on another person. And considering the times that we're in. Yeah. I don't even get it. I don't get who I don't get people who spit in fights. I didn't get the Robbie Alomar thing. I don't get it. You ever been in a bar fight or around a bar fight and people are spitting on each other? I, I don't know. I don't no, get it. Definitely not in a bar fight. They're not old school Vegas. There's no. Definitely not in a bar fight. Yeah. I, I know you've been around them. Please tell me you've been. I know you've been around them. I've you've been, been around here long it. enough. I've seen where them. you see dust sure. dust. but yeah. spitting? No, no. And especially football players and you know, two hundred and seventy, three hundred and thirty pounders. You don't even see that really. I mean, I mean, they're. I mean, I guess you could. The old, uh, you know, you're in the boxing ring and and your UFC. I mean, snot rockets, but I don't think that they're deliberately aiming for anybody. But well, spitting? it would be ridiculous, and it'd be completely ridiculous. Yeah, in UFC, where... and you're trading sweat, you're you're locking it up, even in in you know in basketball and football. But to actually spit on somebody is just vile. It is it is filthy. It it was it was grow you know raising my son. That was a just a that was a rule. That was that was that was actually a specific rule not to do. Up next, we'll get the information on. Uh... Tua out there. doesn't look like he's going to play for the Dolphins. We'll be joined by our ESPN Las Vegas legal insider, Justin Watkins. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. 
only on Cofield and Company. Company. First of all, how you doing in fantasy so far? <laughs> Spotty, one and one in both of my leagues. What's the I'm, I'm only down to two leagues. Uh, not, no, I don't have any problems. I like my team in both leagues. I mean, I do have a Dolphin that was kind of an important pick in our league. I got Gaskin as my RB2, and that hasn't been so great. Um, but I did, I did have the waiver pickup for uh, Tyson Williams. So uh, that could be good. Yep, that, we think. I think so. Although there might be twenty-one running back by committee situations in the NFL. It is nuts right now. Yep. In fantasy football, I, I think the giving up on the running back thing is a little bit more risky now. Do you look at it the other way? Like if there's only like eight guys to get, and the funny thing is, two of the eight guys so far, if there were eight. Saquon Barkley and Zeke. Now you're like, okay, is Barkley going to get to 100? And is Zeke now like a 70 30 running back? Well, and depending on how you ranked your eight, throw in Antonio Gibson, who I do have, and he hasn't really done anything. Uh, James sick. James Robinson, right, fighting to get, I guess, Urban Meyer's respect, right? So I actually no, it makes me lean the other way. It makes me lean that court or running backs are more important than ever to get okay. one of the top tier guys that you know, you know, to get the Dalvin Cooks the. Christian McCaffrey's, you know, I think that list is five or six deep now instead of what we thought maybe we had nine or ten deep at the beginning of the year. I think you'll be fine on this one, but we went gaga in our league over the three tight ends. Oh, Kittle's and now Kittle's not getting targets. And then then this week, uh, you're actually facing Mark Andrews. If Andrews, who went for like you know a fifth of the cost because we do auction leagues, if he outpaces George Kittle, you're you're gonna lose it. I know, no. how angry, I know how angry you get. No, no. I, th- I mean, Mark Andrews was the, you know, was the one tight end that you thought maybe infiltrate that top three and become part of the top four tier. Um, that and uh, the, the the guy in Detroit, was it Hawkerson? Hawker- yeah. Hawkinson. Hawkinson. Yeah. Um, you know, those are the two guys that I thought, if, if I don't get one of the big three, I got to get one of those two. And then if I don't get one of those two, don't even worry about it. Just pick up a free agent pick at the end. So I don't know, man. I, I'm still confident. I'm going to, I'll make the playoffs in that league. I will. Um, we're going to be fine. Do you think that anyone who rolled the dice, who the hell was I thinking of, uh, on Justin Fields? Do they get immediate results? Do they get results this year? I, I, I haven't really liked what I've seen Me from Fields neither. on the ground. Good, but. Man, his throwing motion. Uh, he's still a guy that throws into coverage a lot. I'll, I'll tell you the the person that I put my uh, two dollars on to get his, you know, kind of in my other league as my backup was Jalen Hurts. That's paid off. I got Herbert in both of my leagues, and I'm starting Hurts over Herbert in my other league. You know, he's he's just a little bit steadier right now. I think Herbert's going to be fine. Uh, he had a you know, not a, not the greatest game last game, but it wasn't horrible either. Um, but my backup of Joe Burrows was not the right pick. Uh, at least, uh, yeah. We'll see at on least, that one. yeah. Yeah. We'll I mean, he had, a, he had a rough game. Rather have him than Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson right now. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Justin Watkins in studio with us. Uh, so, again, Tua Tungavailoa out for the game against the Raiders. He's got at least a broken rib or ribs. So he's down for this week for sure. All right. Some legal stories. Interesting. 500 women athletes filed in. Amicus brief. Amicus brief. Yep. Against the Mississippi abortion laws. What is happening here? So anytime that there's a, a case on appeal uh, in state Supreme Court, the United States Supreme Court, it can also happen in Court of Appeals 
if there are interested parties who want to have their voice heard by the court and they don't think that their particular issue is being adequately addressed by the parties that are involved in the litigation, basically saying, yes, they have their specific issues that they're trying to address, but there are going to be ramifications beyond that case into the world. They will file an amicus brief, which is Latin for friend of the court, right? We are we are friends here and we want to present you with just some other perspectives for you to consider in deciding this issue. And what the what the women did here is they said um, that the the right to choose and have abortions can have an or, or lack thereof can have a direct impact on a women's career in sports and as athletes. Mm. And so what they said is, you know, they had a couple who confirmed that during their peak playing careers that they had had abortions because they couldn't, you know, they felt if they uh, gave birth and went through uh, a full term pregnancy that they would lose their livelihood uh, and wouldn't be able to perform at that level, not only for the time of the pregnancy, but thereafter. So that's the perspective they're presenting the court with to say, um, you know, Consider all this. Uh, there's there's political polarization, obviously, of this issue. Maybe the most polarizing issue that's been in politics for the last 40 years. Um, and, and what the amicus briefs are trying to do is bring it down to some real-world applications. Does this have a shot? It's got a shot. It is a fascinating discussion. I hadn't thought of that at all. I'm not a woman, so yeah. I, don't, I don't think that way. I mean, I should, but I hadn't even, I haven't, I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, well, I, I guess if, if you're asking, does their brief have a shot? There, there's no ruling on their brief, right? Right. There's just a ruling on the case, whether or not Mississippi's law that bans abortion after 15 weeks is constitutional or not. That's the question. Does it have a shot based on this court's makeup? And what I imagine were the questions that they were asked in order to be selected and nominated to the Supreme Court? Yeah, it's got a shot. More collegiate sports battles. This one's interesting. UCLA and Under Armour are going at it. A couple of weeks ago, headline, Judge rejects Under Armour's motion to dismiss UCLA's $200 million lawsuit. This goes back to a uh, breach of contract that UCLA claims suing Under Armour uh, when it backed out of a 15-year apparel agreement. Uh, I think two days ago, Under Armour fired back at UCLA with a $280 million suit. Oh, once it, once the case didn't get dismissed, this got nasty real quick. And it was like, so you know, anytime you have a big contract between, you know, multi-million dollar or billion dollar industries uh, and, and industry leaders, there's going to be times where things come up that aren't specifically outlined in a contract, or maybe they are outlined in the contract, but the conduct is not exactly in line. And the parties basically kind of come to an agreement. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. Or yes, worry about this. Or can you can you do this? And none of those things are outlined in the contract, one way or the other. And then something goes wrong, and one party feels, well, this is a wrong that's specifically in the contract. And so they try to address it. It doesn't get addressed. They file a lawsuit, and this... Oh, I, I did commercial litigation, like corporate litigation, contract disputes for seven years before I went out on my own and started my own firm. And this is the story. You sue somebody for breach of contract. They try to get the case dismissed. It doesn't happen. You are 
almost always guaranteed a countersuit for breach of contract the other way, and then all the skeletons coming out of the closet on both sides. I mean, now Under Armour's like, hey, they covered up our logo, even though we gave them the uniforms for free, even though we had terminated the deal. They covered up the logo. We asked them not to cover up the logo. We asked them to put their social justice patch on a different part of the uniform. They didn't do it. They were being petty. I mean, it's all in there. Um, and then, of course, UCLA is firing back the other way and saying, oh, Under Armour is attempting to silence athletes who are promoting social justice. <laughs> like, how dare they? Which is not exactly true. I mean, you didn't have to put the patch over the logo of Under Armour. You got a whole uniform right. to put the patch on. So it, I think it's going to get nastier before it gets nicer. Uh, if you were no the attorney to... on either side, what would you, which side would you uh, be more afraid for? In terms of you know things getting unveiled, I would rather be on UCLA's side than okay. under our side of this, okay. and that's because the I think the legal basis for Under Armour to terminate the contract was BS pretext to get out of an overly expensive contract for them. I don't think it had anything to do with COVID. They attempted to use the force majeure clause, which basically says the world, the universe, and the events have happened that makes this impossible to perform. Yeah, that's not exactly true. It may be impossible to perform in exactly the way that you anticipated that it was going to be performed, but not impossible to perform, right? They could have had, you know, they could have made up games this year. I mean, it was a 12-year contract, right? There was all kinds of things that I think that they could have done to make sure that Under Armour got its marketing dollars, but it seemed that Under Armour was not interested in that whatsoever. They just wanted out of the contract. And UCLA is saying that Under Armour committed fraud and cooked the books to make them themselves look better. And that's what this is all about. So more dirty laundry out there in the middle of this case. It'll be really interesting to see how this goes forward. I don't see settlement anytime soon. 5709000 is the number. Battleborn Injury Lawyers Justin Watkins is here with us at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. So we got a weird case. Again, headline, former Ohio State player Kirk Barton, an infamous message board poster, Nevada Buck, fired and sued over role in Ohio State site. So I guess the plaintiff is a longtime Ohio State writer. And as you just heard, the defendants are a former player and then a commenter. I don't think I've ever heard of a commenter being named in a suit. So what exactly happened here? Yeah, well, I mean, remember that just because you're on a message board and you're a commenter does not give you unequivocal rights to say whatever you want. Um, like that, those words don't matter on the internet. Those words do matter. We've we've now seen a rise in this, even just during the time we've done this show over the last couple of years, where people are being sued or criminally charged for offensive or threatening conduct. Um, you know, we're seeing defamation suits when they're presenting um, uh, false information. Uh, we're seeing, um, uh, you know. Uh, disputes amongst uh, how it impacted somebody's uh, name, image, and likeness, all those different things. So I think I, I want to see where this case goes. And I think it'll always be interesting to, to see when they pull the veil back on the internet trolls or the internet sleuths and, and hold them accountable for their conduct, just like they would if that conduct happened in the real world face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. NFL story, got to update this one. We talk about it uh, almost every week because there's so much at stake here. You've got Stan Kroenke defending himself and the NFL defending themselves against St. Louis for moving the team. 
judgment just a little while ago. No surprise here, but the Missouri Supreme Court has denied Rams NFL appeal to stop handing over detailed financial information of Stan Kroenke and other owners that were approved for the pursuit of potential punitive damages. So what do you make of this one? As the person so, says, no surprise. Yeah, I mean, let's let's be clear about what this means. This ruling is to say that Stan Kroenke and the Rams have to give financial information as a part of the discovery process in the lawsuit by the city against the Rams and the NFL. What's the purpose of those that information? That information is so if the jury that's hearing the case hears all the evidence and says we find in favor of the city and checks the box, says we believe that they have committed fraud, malice, or oppression with their acts and therefore punitive damages should be awarded and um, considered, they check that box. They don't they don't put an amount. All they do is check that box. When the judge gets that verdict form, sees the box checked, they say, okay, Mr. Kroenke or, or CFO for the Rams, get up on the stand. And the plaintiff gets a chance to ask them about their financial status. How much do they make in revenues? What do they make as profit? Why is that important? Because punitive damages are designed to do one thing, punish. And in order to tell the jury how you intend to punish the person, it is important as to what amount they have versus what the amount you're asking for. If somebody only makes $100 a week and I ask for punitive damages of a million, the jury's not going to do that. If somebody makes $100 million a year and I ask for $1,000 in punitive damages, that has no punitive effect. It doesn't punish them at all. They don't even feel it. So the idea is to create proportionality between the punitive damages award and the amount that that team or that individual is worth. It does not mean that the court or the jury has already found that punitive damages should be awarded in this case. We are way far away from that. Okay, that sounds pretty simple. Why would the NFL fight so hard? Kroenke fight so hard against it? What are they? What are they yeah, you'd never want to give that stuff up, right? Because if you could fight hard against it and keep the plaintiff in the dark, the, the theory is, and that box gets checked, and now Kroenke or a CFO, probably the CFO of the Rams, has to get up on the stand and talk about the financial financial where being. If they haven't had access to those records, they could be evasive in response to questioning mm -hmm. and imply that they aren't worth the same amount. If you got the documents to back it up, that's all this is about, the documents, right? right? The documents to back it up, you can say, aren't you worth this much? Well, doesn't this document prove you wrong? Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have that stuff, you're just asking and they can tell you whatever and you, you could never verify it. Could this be worth over a billion dollars in damages? I saw Wallach say that. I, I don't think so. I mean, you, you never know, but generally speaking, here, here's this. They're claiming damages of $100 million, roughly, in un, unpaid taxes. They're also trying to claim the $550 million as the relocation fee to be paid for them. I don't understand their contractual right to that money. Now, I'm not involved in the case. There's millions of pages of documents that have gone back and forth. But just from a, a 30,000-foot elevation, I don't get why they would get that $550 million. It shouldn't be paid to them. But okay. And then they're saying punitive damages is a part of the award. Generally speaking, if the punitive damages are so out of whack from the compensatory damages, the contractual damages, a court will throw them out or reduce it. In Nevada, anything beyond three times the, the damages is considered potentially excessive and subject to reduction. 
It can go up as high as 10 times, depending on the dollar amount. If it's a low dollar, you can go higher multiples. If it's a high dollar, you have to stay within that three-time multiple. So assuming Missouri has similar laws, and I bet their laws are even more strict than ours here, then a $100 million reward to the city, even with punitives, we'd be talking about 300 or 400 million. If they got the 550 million relocation <laughs> fee, right now we're talking 650 in compensatory, multiply that by three, and we're talking about 1.82 billion. Wallach said 10 billion. He's following this case a lot closer than I am. I would defer to him on that relocation aspect of things, but from from just an outsider's perspective, I don't know why they would be entitled to that. Is this the kind of thing, the financials from the Rams and the NFL that could be used down the road in other sports? You know, baseball holds on to their financials really tightly. And more importantly, back to the NFL, uh, why couldn't San Diego go after Spanos? They're like, oh, look at all this money. We're like, we want the relocation fee too. Yeah. So, I mean, San Diego could. Uh, they better get on it, right? Because breach of contract is a, a six-year statute of limitations, four-year on oral promises. So, I mean, nothing's to stop them from from making that claim. But your question is, now, if Kroenke and the NFL and the Rams have to give over this information, now everybody has access to it. And that's not the case. Oh, it's not? Okay. No. Because because I was also thinking I forgot about the, mo- the most close to home one, and that is Oakland going, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. No. We want Raiders money. Yeah. The, only the attorneys, only the attorneys, not even the parties, will have access to this information and the judge because that box has not been checked. Now, if they go to trial, a jury checks that box. What they talk about after that to come up with the award, absolutely, it's public record. It's a public hearing. Anybody can go to that. But at this point, it's not even relevant to that action until after the jury comes back with a verdict and checks the box. And we are a ways from that. Uh, trial's currently scheduled for January 2022. We'll see. Justin Watkins here with us. It's Cofield and Company. 570-9000 is the number of Battleborn Injury Lawyers. On the way back, we'll get into the Evander Kane story, which continues to add chapter after chapter after chapter. Now it's gotten really ugly as there's allegations out there of a sexual uh, assault and battery. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000, with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts. Only on Cofield and Company. Important stories to hit. Uh, we've got more allegations now around Evander Kane. There was the sports gambling stuff. Uh, now it looks like it's hit next level, and he's facing sexual assault and domestic violence allegations. This was reported by Front Office Sports. So what do we have here? Yeah, so um, Evander Kane's uh, estranged wife, uh, they're still married, alleged in a, uh, a court filing for a protective order, restraining order, um, that Evander Kane had forced her to have oral sex and forced her to have um, regular sex um, shortly after giving birth uh, when she wasn't fully healed from the traumatic uh, birth that she gave to her their daughter who passed away in the hospital upon birth, uh, and then also makes allegations of physical harm towards their daughter uh, from Evander Kane. I did see that his attorney came out with a statement that says, um, in essence, that Evander Kane categorically denies abusing his wife or his daughter. 
says his daughter is, you know, sort of the center of his life and then brings it back to, and she has falsely accused him of betting on games in the past. Um, and I thought the wording was a little funny. My little alarm bells went off because there wasn't a categorical denial or, or a claim that what he what she said was false. Instead of mirroring her accusations and saying that's false, which, what he said was he denies abusing her. And so I thought the word, but then specifically mirrors the language of the betting allegation to say that betting allegation is false. He didn't say her claim is false in regards to the abuse. And that may sound like I'm splitting hairs, uh, but that's what we do, right? Uh, if I'm writing that statement, I'm asking Evander Kane, hey, she said this happened on this day and this happened on this day. And if he gives me like the, well, I mean, something went on, but I didn't think she didn't want that to happen. And he's like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to write this as where you deny abuse happened, but I'm not going to say that this, these events didn't happen because the, the stronger I could be in the denial, the better. And to take it further, the, the what I'm reading here is he says on that, the, the portion of the betting, as everyone knows, she has falsely accused him of betting in, on and throwing games, prompting an investigation by the NHL. We are confident he will be cleared and that investigation closed soon. He doesn't say that 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 strong we are confident he doesn't say that about that he transitions into the part that they're confident about but like you're right he also doesn't say anything about being confident and that that they'll be cleared yeah well and i think it was even funny to bring up the betting allegation in context to this court filing because there was nothing in this court filing about the betting uh i mean well that's not true in the betting they do mention that he lost millions of dollars and came home drunk and abusive so they do sort of tie it in, but they had already denied the sports betting uh, aspect of things. I didn't, if my client had never hit his wife, had never done anything wrong and was being accused of this by a vindictive ex-wife who's trying to capitalize on a divorce and get as much money as possible, I'm saying that, right? I'm coming out and saying, this never happened. This person is using the court <clears throat> process abusively towards my client in order to extract more funds as part of a divorce, alimony, and child support. I'm, I'm saying that. And that's not what was said here. Well, and that, not only that, but he, in the other part of the statement, to be clear, Evander denies ever abusing Miss Kane or their daughter Kensington, whom he cherishes. He recognizes that they have many years ahead of them as co-parents during which they will have to work together which makes it that much for frustrating that she has chosen this path why I didn't as if we're talking phrases and ver, uh, vernacular and language why doesn't he say which makes it much more frustrating that she is lying yep he exactly. says that she has chosen this path what path that she's gone the legal route right. rather than deal with it personally that's right. Yeah. And I might, I might have this, this read completely wrong. I mean, reasonable attorneys can differ on what they're supposed to do, but I'm just saying, based on my training, if I see something like this come across my desk, I'm going, got him, got him. Um, I'll let you guys toss this back and forth. I want to, but we just received, a, uh, the media just received actually a press release from the NHL regarding Evander Kane. So I'm just going to read through it real quick. And let you guys continue, and then I'll tell you what it says here. 
All right. Well, I was ready to move on. So we'll get an update on the way back. Uh, real quick, I thought it was really interesting because I was going to ask about the NHL because I assume based on what baseball is doing and what the NFL are doing and kind of similar cases and allegations that Evander Kane ain't going to be on the ice anytime soon. Real quick, I got like two minutes. Um, headline on the Mount Charleston Lodge, fire. Uh, fire started in storage area. It's interesting. First two uh, lines of the story, it's considered to be an accidental blaze that started in the storage area underneath the deck. Um Clark County Fire Chief, the assistant, said it wasn't suspicious. I'm sure it's going to be determined an accidental fire. It was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, okay, well, they want to rebuild. I'm sure that insurance companies are like, we're going to look into this. Well, I'm not, I'm not alleging anything, yeah, but yeah. I mean, I think anytime something big like this happens and you're going to have millions of dollars paid over to build a new lodge that the insurance companies, you deal with these guys yeah. all the time. Uh, well, and I'm not even going to say like they're unreasonably um, yeah. investigated. They, in, in any structure that burns down, they are going to send out their experts. And I'm going to tell you, this one is not an area of, of science that is hotly debated, not to be use a stupid pun, but but they get experts in there. And generally speaking, experts for both sides agree on the cause of the fire and how it got there. It's rare that you see. I had a case early on. One, one of my first cases I ever worked on as a lawyer was a, a, a fire that had burned down a trailer home and the insurance company had refused to pay and we were suing on behalf of the homeowner and there was a dispute as to which of one two appliances had caused the blaze one of which could have um the error associated with the user and one of which the error would be associated with a design or manufacturing defect so coverage or not coverage right and that's where it sort of teetered but it is very rare for you guys to get these investigators in here and and, and disagree on that and just real quick go back to the evander kane thing now it changes right i've always advocated for the process that once you have an allegation of physical abuse right a, a physical abuse allegation and the authorities are investigating I'm suspending until the, the investigation works its way out. There you go. Justin Watkins, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Give him a call. He and Matt Hoffman. 570-9000 is the number. We'll get the official NHL update after 4 o'clock on Evander Kane. Uh, up next, we'll talk some hockey, also some college football betting with our, our buddy from Sports Grade Radio. It's Brian Blessing. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. I just want them to respect me and know that I work my ass off and I'm studying and I'm not trying to ask dumb questions. Look, I panic. I sweat every time I have to grab Bill Belichick at halftime. And, you know, there's a couple of times I've just been like, crap, crap. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company. All right, back here. Let's get to Brian Blessing on this uh, Wednesday. Brian, we got updates in on... The NHL and Evander Kane. Very weird. We get an email that the investigation is closed. The gambling mm -hmm. investigation is closed. And then at the bottom of the story, it actually says, well, now there are new allegations out there. So we're going to be looking into that. As far as his playing eligibility, right now we have no idea. I cannot imagine with sexual assault and battery allegations hanging over Evander Kane that while Trevor Bauer and Deshaun Watson aren't playing in other major sports, that Evander Kane will be allowed on the ice. Well, I think the one thing they make this announcement, yeah, nothing wrong with the betting aspect of things. And, oh, by the way, if you check the NHL, seems like they're coming up with a new deal every other day with a sports betting site. So I think they're thrilled to be able to try to put that part of it to bed because they have so many sports betting partners now. Well, I don't know. Well, hold on. 
they're saying that they did not see any they don't find anything to support that he gambled on league games or compromise anything to hurt the team. So I'm not, I wouldn't say so far that I wouldn't go so far as to say that the NHL is okay on the gambling aspect because they did an investigation and they didn't find anything. If they can't, if they can't find proof, whether, whether we believe that he did or not, whether he gambled, whether he came here and didn't pay off a marker is regardless the, the allegations that were put forth in terms of gambling on games he was involved in or anything to hurt the team or, you know, alter a total or whatever it may be. They didn't find anything, so I wouldn't necessarily say that they're okay with it. They just they're saying well, that they, they they put forth an investigation, they didn't find it. Right, but their summation is while reserving the right to investigate any new information that might arise relating to the gambling allegations, the NHL now considers that specific matter closed. And believe me, they want it closed. Oh, they absolutely they absolutely don't want it to be an issue. I'm just saying, just to address, because you had said, well, they're okay with the gambling aspect. I don't think that they're okay with it. They just concluded that investigation. Oh, I, I didn't say they're okay. But go ahead. Yeah, I, no, no, I don't. I'm not saying they're okay with it. I mean, they, they you know, rather the guy was, you know, running around with a halo on. But you know, the sports betting aspect of it, anybody, anybody's talking about, you know, activities inside a game. That's integrity for the league, and that's the shield. So, I mean, they're sure they're thrilled to get the word out. No, he didn't do anything in relation to betting on NHL games and put that thing to bed. I mean, listen, Evander Kane. This stuff has followed him everywhere he's been. It's, you know, I don't know if he's a tortured soul or what the deal is. He's a hell of a hockey player, but he's, I mean, it, it ain't baggage. It's a whole set of Samsonite coming with this guy. Brian Blessing, Sirius XM 204 Sports Grade Radio. We'll get to some uh, game analysis here in a couple of minutes, but a little more hockey first. Golden Knights camp is opening up. For you, what is the top narrative going into the season? Every year, Steve, you want to see, you know, who might make a name for themselves. I don't know, uh, Willie, I mean, did, did you see Colasar making the opening night roster last year and, and not only making it but sticking all year long? That's the thing about training camp. Somebody could step up and press them, make some noise. I don't know that any deals per se are going to happen. The one guy I think's pretty, pretty interesting is the young defenseman, Korzak. I think he's really close. He's really close. And then you have to weigh the option of, do you let him, McPhee's words, you know, cook him in the minors where he's playing against his peers, dominating, playing with confidence? Or as a seventh defenseman, does he come up and play 10, 12, 13 minutes a night, but he's around Petrangelo and Theodore and McNabb and Martinez, and he's learning how to be a pro around them? Korzak's the most polarizing guy to me. And maybe the kid Howden they got from the Rangers – because the Golden Knights are really good with acquisitions like that, like Ryan Carpenter, you know, Patrick Brown, Nick Waugh, it Stevenson. You know, the middle tier guys, they're really good at getting these guys who overachieve. So I'd say Korzak and Howden are the two guys are interesting to me. One of the things that <clears throat> that going into this season and that I'm gonna write for the Associated Press is that I think this is the first year that it it finally feels as if it almost feels as if Brian that this is the new a new a new era in in terms of altogether. It's just um, it has a different vibe. It has a different feel. I'm not sure if it's because Flurry's gone and and so that's the final straw. There's still the mis the, the misfit line with Martisaw, Carlson, and Smith, but the that whole magical season from 2017-18 um, and everything that it went through it 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 carried and. And, and sort of shined with the luster for 
for so long, but I think that's gone. And I think that there's there's the new face of the franchise. There's a new vibe to the franchise. It's officially said and done, even with the handful of guys that were here that first season. Do you get that same feeling, that sure. same vibe? Yeah, it's a hockey team. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, that, honestly, you know what? It's funny you said that, but because I said that to so this is finally just a hockey team. It's just a hockey team. That's exactly. We said the day would come when it's just a hockey team. It was Haley's Comet and a Hollywood Disney movie the first year. And then you kind of rode that wave out a little bit, and they had the bad result and the bad thing that happened to them against San Jose. Then we got a pandemic with the bubble, and, you know, okay, they're right there and had a chance, and their offense went dry. But now you can see it, you can see it on social media too, Steve. I know you're a monster on social media. Billy, the, the fan base, you know, the lovey-dovey comments, fans are a lot more critical now, critical of management. If they move a certain guy, obviously, Flurry, they love. It's a hockey team. And that's fine. You know, take the good and the bad. Right now, it's still a very good hockey team. The window remains open. Uh, the salary cap, this is an older team. It's built. It's still built to do a lot of good things now. Are they, I keep getting asked, are they better? I don't know that they're better. I think they're different. And we'll see if different is better. I mean, the offense still remains. Offensive consistency remains a question mark. Does Dadnoff show up and be the guy from Florida instead of the guy from Ottawa and give them a spark on the power play? But it's 82 games. It's a hockey season. Let's have at it. Let's hit some uh, NFL and college football. Listening to your show today, you think the Dolphins are going to be okay without Tua and with Jacoby Brissett? Well, as a Bills fan, and I remember I did say last week that if the Bills didn't win by 17, there should be an investigation. When Tua got hurt, I'm like, no. Please come back. <laughs> uh, that Miami offensive line's a disaster. Brissett got thrown into, you know, he was the charcoal briquette on the flame. It was ridiculous. But you give a guy like that any backup, Steve, in the NFL, he got thrown to the wolves. But you get a guy like that who's been around the block. He's not a world beater. But you give him a full week of practice with the ones, get a little chemistry with the wide receivers. He's not going to be as, and it wasn't on him. I mean, collectively, they were horrific. And when pro teams get embarrassed, what do they do? You know, they bow their neck, personal pride. Green Bay couldn't look any worse. Green Bay bounced back. You know, I think you draw a line through a horrific, embarrassing performance. The Raiders, what do we say? Pittsburgh didn't beat Buffalo. Buffalo beat Pittsburgh. So the Raiders went in there and beat Pittsburgh. You know, you could, it's a frame of reference and you know, what you're watching – one game to the next and how it has tentacles. I think the Raiders got to be doing a cartwheel. I mean, before the season, you look at that schedule, they'd have probably thrown confetti in the sky to be five, you know, one and one. And they're two and oh. You know, you got to be careful. Don't be fat and happy. You're back home against the team now you should beat. The line, advance line was one. Now it's four, four and a half. Not gonna, the one thing that the Raiders favor here might be revenge is not a big deal in professional sports, but. The Raiders might have a stone in their shoe the way they gave that game away and Fitzpatrick stole it from them last year. So that might have them a little have them in a little snarky mood. But you know, now we're hearing about Derek Carr and you know, is, is he, I don't care if he's not 100%. If he can run around and play, I'm, he's going to be fine. But I don't be surprised if Miami shows up with a real good effort. So you said uh, teams are as never bad as they look. They can bounce back. You ready to fire on the Jaguars and the Jets? Oh no, we talk, I mean we talked about that. Said, oh buddy, listen, 
at the beginning of the year, they talked about Houston was a dumpster fire, you know. But we said we did say Tyrod Taylor will win you some games. He can't take you anywhere, big picture. And I say that with confidence because Adam's not there. But he can win some select games. They were in contention last week. So all of a sudden, the worst in order, you tell me, coin, a coin flip between the Jets and the Jags, I'd probably go with the Jags. And in Detroit, I guess, unfortunately, is a close third, although they show you moments in games that there are some things to work with there. The Jets, they got to come. Wilson down. The stuff that worked in college isn't working here. I thought all along Wilson was going to be better than Lawrence in the NFL, and I still think that's going to be the case. I think Wilson just has to take what the defense gives you and keep it simple. But these poor kids, it happens every year, guys. At the end of the day, are we going to be looking four years down the road that Jones, Fields, and Lance are all going to be better than Lawrence and Wilson? It's an exact, inexact science, man. And a lot of it is where do you land? And a fish rots from the head down. And these guys with a lot of talent, they go into an organization that's a train wreck. God bless them. They never get their head above water. College football in the final minute here, Brian. Uh, your favorite play, the big letdown by Florida against Tennessee or the Air Force bounce back with Ooh. Florida Atlantic? I got to do a little more work on Florida Atlantic because last week we talked about the Air Force-Utah State game. And it was the angle we used last week that got us the cover with Utah State. And that's Mountain West teams are comfortable going to Air Force playing at altitude when out-of-conference teams go up there and struggle. The the lean would be we faded Air Air Force last week, plus it was a letdown spot coming off the Navy game. So I I would say probably the Air Force one would be the one I'd go with. Brian, you're the best. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you. Always a pleasure, guys. Have a great day. There he is. Brian Brian. Blessing, you have a good day as well. Football frenzies on the way. We'll uh, get into the uh, latest with the UNLV quarterback position. Also talk about Justin Fields now being the starter and uh, update on injuries with the Raiders, including uh, Yannick Ngakwe, that hamstring kind of limited today, and he has a chance in the matchup against I don't know who's playing uh, tackle. I mean, they got a, a mix of hell going on right now in Dolphinland. Have something to say? Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 now.